Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. Um, I had a couple of you come up and say you were glad to have me back, and that made me feel good this morning. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for noticing I was gone. A little vacation. <laughs> it's all good. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Alana, and I am the executive pastor here on staff, and I am officially, formally, finally getting to welcome Isaac to the staff team. He started this week. This is Isaac Bridge. He is our youth intern. Hey, guys. <laughs> Of course, we've talked about it a bit, but the day has finally come. How's your first week been? It has been amazing. I have my own cubicle. And it just, it doesn't seem exciting, but it's just like, I've never had a cubicle before. I have a house inside the church. It's just so cool. (laughs) That's good. Um, Well, we are going to jump into our three-ish things. These are the three things we think are really important for you to know this week. Um, Three is a really loose term. If you've been here a while, you know that. Um, Being kickoff Sunday, we have a few things to get through, so I'm going to move fast, but hopefully not too fast. Uh, First, if you are new to New Life, if this is your first week or you've been sort of casually checking us out through the summer, we're so glad you're here. We would love to get get to know you. I should talk slower, right? We would love to get to know you. If you can find maybe one of the staff that are wearing these, um, we can just kind of help get you connected and get to know who you are. If you prefer paper, we're finally getting back to some paper as well. We have one of these little cards out at the info counter, and it just tells you which ministries we have throughout the week, whether it's for men or women or youth or children. Um, There's a few things that happen throughout the week that you might want to get plugged into. So feel free to pick one of those up on your way out, and it'll tell you what's what. We also have... When we do three-ish things, we now have a printed copy out there as well. You may have seen them in the bathrooms this morning if you made a pit stop. Um, Just letting you know, so you don't have to remember everything that was verbally announced. There is a paper copy of some events that are coming up. And of course, all of that is available on our website, newlifechurch.ca slash events. Tells you everything that's coming up. So I'm not going to really highlight anything specific this morning, but just wanted to let you know that we do have some information at the info booth letting you know what's happening here at the church. Isaac, what's number two? Um, Number two is super cool. It's that in March, me and Alicia and a bunch of youth are going to a cool Guatemala, which is very cool. But I'm up here to let you know that you only have a few more days to register. Starting Wednesday, it's the cutoff date. And so if you're a youth and you're really, that's that's Thursday? It's it's Thursday. I've I've been lied to. It's, It's okay. You said Wednesday. No, it's, it's, it's okay. Thursday. Thursday's the cutoff date. If you're a youth, youth and you want to come and go on a missions trip, it will be super cool, super exciting. Um, register. It'll be awesome. Alicia's fact-checking. It may be the fifth uh, Wednesday. Anyways, newlifechurch.ca slash events, and you'll have all the information on there. Good. Thanks, Isaac. Last thing that I want to talk about, our AGM is coming up on September 26th, that's a Monday, 7 p.m., here at the church. Uh, we will not be on Zoom this week. It will only be in person, or this month, only in person. Uh, we have a few cottage meetings planned ahead of time. Cottage meetings, if you're not familiar with the term, those are an opportunity to come if you have questions for the elders about things that are happening here at the church, about the budget, anything like that. You come at to one of the pre-meetings and ask those questions and get some clarification, and that just helps things run smoothly the night of as well. Um, for this week, we have, again, back on the info desk, we have the AGM agenda, 
and we have the elder nominee slate and the nominating committee slate, which those are the two things that will be voted on at the AGM. So that information is available at the back. Um, it was also in the Friday email this week. Uh, and next week we'll have our annual report out if you want to see some more of the detail of what happened with um, ministries as well as the proposed budget for the coming year. So September 26, 7 p.m., annual general meeting. That is our three-ish things. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome. Uh, if you weren't here when I started off, I just want to say welcome. It's good to have you here this morning to our kickoff Sunday. My name is Scott Hemingway, and I am the interim lead pastor here. And this morning, we have the opportunity to do a kickoff Sunday. Isn't that great? Okay, good, good. Uh, some people say, well, what is kickoff Sunday? What happens? And I was told that, um, I was told just a few days ago that, that, that um, there was a pastor who rode in on a horse. And I'm thinking, I missed that memo. I should have had a horse and rode in on a horse. Um, so yeah, what's different? What's, what's different about today? Not a whole lot in some ways. As you notice, we, we sang our songs, we had our prayer time, we dismissed the kids. Uh, we did get a new song, appreciated it. Uh, it was great. So in some ways, not much is different. But in other ways, a lot is different. And a lot is different because it gives the opportunity for us to gather back together. This is the fullest we've been for some time. So it's great that uh, you're here this morning. Uh, and plus, afterwards, there is going to be uh, a breakfast that we get, or brunch, that you get to enjoy and to be part of. And so we, we welcome you to stay afterwards. There's lots of food for you, and we'd love to have you stay and fellowship around food and just commune around food. Such a special time. But it also gives us an opportunity to look at us as a church and look at our vision, look at our mission, and look at our values. And to say, where are we? What are they? To review them and to see them. And where are we, where are we in that and where are we going? It gives an opportunity to be able to say, this is the direction that we're going over the next eight or nine months. And I'm excited about that direction that we are going. So I want to unpack that this morning for us. And... and um, it's hard because I have so much that I want to say, and, and there's points in which I would just love to sit on and go, listen, let's eat, and uh, we'll, I'll, I'll speak, and we'll eat, and we'll come back, and we'll do some more, and then you can go, but we won't do that. Uh, our capacity is only so much to take in. So let me, uh, let me get going with, I got to get this thing going. There we go. Um, I was, had this in my pocket earlier, and it was moving the slides, and I got in trouble. So, uh, so I want to review what our, what our vision is as a church. What is our vision? Well, if you go on our website or you look at our material, you would see that a vision statement that we have is that our vision is this, is that to live out the kingdom of God in our church, our community, and beyond. And uh, we... We hear and we read in Scripture where we are told as, as God followers, following Jesus, that we are to go into this community and the communities beyond, into the Canada, into the whole world. And so our vision statement really encompasses that. It, it, it draws us in to say, yes, 
We want to be a church that lives out the kingdom of God in our community, in our church, our community, and beyond. Uh, The next is our mission. What is our mission? The mission of New Life Church is to love God by worshiping him, serving others, and making disciples. Very simple, but very good. And and bringing us to the place of, of saying, um, Jesus, when he was asked, what are the two greatest commands? The two greatest commands is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It takes, our mission statement takes that in, and that is our desire. Our desire is, is that we will love God, and in loving God, we can serve others. And as we serve others, we make disciples. Jesus, as he left, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people. And today, in the world that we live in, in our community here in Duncan, we have people of all nations in this community. So in some ways, you go, we, you know, we can go abroad to the nations, but we can also go in our community to the nations that are here and to recognize that, that we represent the nations. We have three values that we hold to. And these are fantastic values. I love them. First is, God is in charge. This is how we see the world. We could park on that for a while because our world seems like it's, it's a train wreck. Yet, God is in charge. He's in charge, which means he's in charge of my world, your world. Secondly, we are... We are all servants. Each person who says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ is a servant of the, of the Most High King. We are his servants. And we're here not to serve ourselves, but we're here to serve as God, as Christ would call us to serve. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here and you are in grade five or if you're sitting here and you've been retired for the last five years or 10 years or 20 years. We are all servants of the, of the, of the most high king. And that's how we should see ourselves. And then the last is generosity, the distribution of God's resources. This is how we see our possessions. I'm struck by this. I am challenged by this. This is, this is something that I often have to remind myself um, because I like to spend. Reina is a saver. I am the spender. And I can save if I have a goal, but I am the spender. And I don't need many things that I get, but I like to get. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. You're with me, aren't you? yes. All the, all the spenders stand up. No, don't. <laughs> Yet, it isn't mine. It's his. It's all his. How does he want me to use his resources? I love these values. So the question that, that comes to me is this. I have, I have uh, uh, three questions. First is, how are we doing with accomplishing our mission, our mission, vision, our vision, mission, and values? How are we doing as a church? Well, I think COVID has really interrupted a lot of getting there. 
I really feel that. I feel like we were, we were on a direction, on a trajectory, and then COVID hits, and it just interrupted everything. Obviously, I mean, we, prior to COVID, we had two services, and we're, we have one service. We have people who have left to go to other churches. We have people who have left and, never, and not come back to church. And so we're at a point that we're hitting the reset button. I want to say this, as you, as you look around and you see empty chairs, and you could look at the empty chairs and you can say, oh, these people aren't here anymore. That person's not here. That family's not here. And, and it's okay to recognize that. It's okay to mourn that. But you can also look at the empty chair that is next to you or around you, and you can say, with anticipation, I wonder who God is going to fill that chair with. Who's going to sit in that chair? Who's going to be in that chair in a month's time? That's exciting. I am a guy who likes the cup half full. It's not half empty. It's half full. <laughs> and half full is, is that an anticipation of what God is going to do. So I think we have a ways to go with our, our vision, mission, and values. Next question I have is, where do we start? Where do we start? If we're hitting the reset button, where do we start? And I, I like strategy. Um, I don't know if I'm the best strategic person. That's why, uh, that's why Alana is here. <laughs> She's really good at strategy. She gets it. She understands it. She quizzes us on what, what is our mission. And um, I don't do very good. <laughs> in being able to quote it. I know where it is. <laughs> I don't do very good at quoting it. Strategy is important. God is purposeful in what he does. And if you don't believe that, then today, if you go into the washroom or you go home and you look in the mirror, look at yourself and recognize that he is purposeful. He created you for a purpose and a reason. God is purposeful. He is strategic in what he said. You have not been created by mistake. You've been created with a purpose and a plan for his kingdom. And it can be difficult. It can be hard. But it can be good. Really good. Just as good as when God created the heavens and the earth and he said, this is good. When he created Adam and Eve, he said, this is good. And it has not stopped. When you were created, when you were formed in your mother's womb, he said, that's terrible. He said, yeah, you are good. And this is not to pat myself on the back and to, you know, rah-rah me. It's to recognize the truth and to live in the truth. Okay, I got a problem happening. You know, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I'm not sticking to my notes, and that's a problem because I've got a lot of stuff to get through. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. So strategy is important, but strategy is not where I think we start. I think we start with you. I think we start with me. That I, I take it and I draw a circle around myself. And I say, God, where am I with you? Where am I with you? John Ortberg 
has written a book many years ago. And his book that he wrote is The Life You've Always Wanted. I love that title. I love that title. The Life You've Always Wanted. All of us are on a journey. All of us are on a journey. Some of us may be sitting here and your journey is this. Your journey is, is, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know. And we want to say that this, we want this to be a safe place for you to be there. Some of you are sitting here and you've, you've grown up in the church. Like you were literally born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. Okay? That's just the way you've been. And it is assumed that as you sit here, and some of you young people, you sit here and it is assumed that you are going to believe what your parents believe. You're, it's assumed. And yet inside, you have this turmoil going on, going, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if it's true. I don't know. I hear other things. I hear things from school. You know, I hear about evolution, and, and God doesn't fit that, and is there a God? And, it, and so we want to say that it's okay to sit in that tension, because it's not right for you to say you believe because you were born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. We want you to believe because it is the truth. And you know it not just here, but you know it here. Some of you are here and you're traveling and you're just at the beginning stage. You have made a commitment to Jesus. You love Jesus. You know, you're, you're starting that off, but you're, you're going, what does this mean? What does it look like? Oh, man. Um, and so you're at that stage. Others of you, you have been living this Christian life for a long time. And you have been engaged with God and you know him and you love him. But the truth is that you have not consistently lived in the abundant life. Jesus in John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Don't you want that abundant life? I want that abundant life. When I, when I make popcorn, and popcorn, when you eat popcorn, it has to be hot, okay? And the butter has to be melted. You've got to put over it. It's got to have my amount of salt on it, not too salty, just my amount of salt on it. And, and it's got to be hot. I, you'll never see me, if there's any popcorn left over, the next day grabbing popcorn out of the bowl and eating it. It'll, you'll never see me do that. Because popcorn is meant to be eaten hot. And not only that, popcorn is meant to be eaten with a lot of popcorn. An abundant of popcorn. Not just some popcorn, but abundant popcorn. So much so, you don't even know if you can finish it all. Yes. <laughs> See? All popcorn lovers have... Never mind, we won't do that. Mm. What does that mean? My point is that's abundant life with Jesus, not just a life, but abundant life. Do you not long for that? Do you not want that? Do you not desire that? And I believe it's not meant for us just to sometimes be in that abundant life. I believe we have the opportunity to be there most of the time. 
even in our struggles, even in our difficulties, even when our arguments with our spouses, even when you don't like what your parents have to say, even in going, is there a God? He wants to give us abundant life. And he has given us abundant life. So my next question is, what does it take to live a life you've always wanted? What does it take to live that life of abundancy with God, of, of knowing his presence in your life, of, of making decisions that you know that God has directed you and guided you, to know in that point where, where you're at work and you have a coworker and they're really bugging you and bothering you and you just want to look at them and say, shut up! Just shut up! And you know that Jesus would never do that. He only maybe called them vipers and snakes. No. But you know that's not the right attitude. And then you don't. And you look at them and your response is one that comes from the abundant life of Christ. It still may be, yeah, you know what? We got to talk about <laughs> this. So it's not being a doormat, but it's responding out of Christ. Okay, um, I am, I, I ran out of time, um, but we're going to, we're going to carry on just a little bit longer, okay? Um, I, I've asked uh, Phil and Alicia to come and to help me out in this next part. So uh, come up here, and what, what I want to do is I want to talk about transformation, because I believe that I believe that for, for us as a church to accomplish our mission and vision and values, we're going to do that when we are the circle around us and we are being transformed. And living this life of transformation, spiritual transformation, and we've called it in the past sanctification, and so we've heard that, We've heard that terminology, and I want to use the word spiritual transformation. And I believe it is the life we've always wanted. I believe it's something that we're desiring, we're hungering for that with Jesus. Because Christ is in us, and he hungers for us to know that and to live in that. Not just sometimes, but most of the time. And both... Alicia and Phil have been on this journey as well as myself, and I'm at the beginning stage. Honestly, I am scared to death in some ways to present this to you as a church because I feel like I am one step or I'm kind of like this. <laughs> Just a little bit ahead of you, and some of you are like way ahead of me already. You go, oh yeah, I, I know this stuff. But it's, it's where we are in the journey, and I want to take us there because I'm excited. I believe that if we can dive into this and understand this in a greater and deeper way, we will be transformed as a church in a way that we've never seen before. We have a valley that needs Jesus, and he's called you and I to be Jesus to this valley. So um, I've asked Phil and Alicia to just share a little bit of their experience, and, and so I have questions for them. And I'll try to shut up because we won't have time. The first question that I have is, is this. Is how would you define spiritual formation or transformation? So, I don't... First? Okay. All right. Um, the 
long-winded answer is this. The biblical narrative presents to us um, a relationship between man and God that was good, Genesis 1. That relationship was good. The relationship between man and woman was also good. Something happened, sin entered the world, and those two things were broken. The relationship between man and God and the relationship between people, like man and woman. So sin entered the world. And so for me, when I look at spiritual formation or transformation, I would say that it is a process to which the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, helps us to be transformed back to that image, which is what I would actually define as healing. So we're being transformed back to the image of our true nature, which is in relationship with God and in relationship with others. And so that's the long-winded answer. The short-winded answer is this, just being formed as a person of agape, a person of love, a person of patience, a person of uh, passion. And so, yeah, that's the long and short-winded answer, and I hope it makes sense. Yeah, mine's a little shorter. <laughs> um, the, there's a book that I read, and I've liked their definition. And spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So somebody else is doing the forming. My job is to relinquish the control. And it's not for my benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. Um, oftentimes, the world will tell us it's for the betterment of yourself. But that's not the case. It's not, it's not for me. It's not about me. It's about Christ and how he loves others. So, yeah. Mm. That's good. That's, that's good. Um, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so before you began to engage in these, in, in spiritual practices for, for transformation, how were you going about trying to feel, fulfill this desire to, to be like Jesus? Because that's really, as, you're being, as we're being transformed, we're being like Jesus. So what were you doing prior to that, um, saying, this is how I'm trying to be like Jesus, but it wasn't working? Go ahead. Go you go yep. first, okay. yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, the before, I'm just going to go, this past year, um, I lost five family members in the span of six months, very close to me, and it was hard. And just before that happened, I kind of, like I started this process of spiritual formation probably in 20, the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, and I'd come to this point of wrestling with the greatest commandment, and that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I'm like, my heart, I'm like, if I want to be a good leader, what I've been taught was to shove my emotions aside and I need to just be on the line. And so I was wrestling with that and then my grandfather passed and he was very close to me. And I remember sitting in that grief, in that moment of being like, you tell me to love you with all my heart. Well, here it is. Like, I don't know. Um, it came to this point of also like learning to lead through a place of weakness and vulnerability. And I'm a person, and saying this out loud, 12 of you guys, super intimidating, but we're gonna step in. Uh, my greatest fear is whew, looking weak um, and being manipulated. That somebody can use me and abuse me um, to better their agenda and uh, you can hear my voice. 
Um, and so when my grandfather died and I was wrestling with that, that verse, I'm like, all right, I just need to step into everything that makes me feel like I'm going to be weak. I'm not strong enough. And that, that would be that before and the stepping into after that uh, being vulnerable. It's not easy. Whew. So before, <laughs> you may be vulnerable with God, but not... Yeah, so actually really, and then I read this other book, so I, that triggered something. Um, this other book that's like, how you relate to people is how you relate to God. And so I read that at that same time. I'm like, if I'm not actually vulnerable with people and I don't allow them to see my weakness, how am I to my father? And that, so that was that whole wrestling with that season. There. Thanks. Phil, how would you answer? <laughs> how would I answer before engaging in the practice? My background is I was born and raised in Africa in a Christian home. So the way of church and Christianity was familiar. At a later time of my life, I was trained as a seminary pastor. So I'm actually trained to be a pastor. And so what I was doing to follow Jesus or to be a Christian was everything that you would say is pious. So going to Bible study, reading my Bible, praying, uh, you know, I, I was born and raised in, in a flag-waving, jumping church. And so I would sneak to, you know, churches that I know, yeah, worship night, let's go, to fill. And I would say I was trying to be closer to God in doing all these things. But at the same time, I was like, this ain't it. I'm still empty. I'm still angry. I'm still, you know, something, something's not right. So... I was doing everything you would say was pious, including committing my own life to serve the church. So in some ways, both of you maybe are saying that prior to you, it really became more about the doing exactly. than the being. Yeah. 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 And, and that's probably where the, the change or the switch began to yeah. take place. Yeah. Um, so a, a couple books. I'm, I'm going through a couple books at the same time. And um, uh, one of them is Invitation to a Journey. And so you can see on the bottom of our little slide up back there that I stole that from this title of this book. And um, we'll have some books available in the coming weeks. But this is a fantastic book. That's where you actually, you got your... That's where my spiritual formation definition is. Yeah. Um, but here's, I want to read something to you uh, real quick, and um, it's from Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart. Uh, this is not an easy book to go through. I, I take little bites of it. But he says this, um, so this quest, currently so deeply felt, is at once, very, once new and very old, both very promising and full of danger. And, and maybe, Phil, you could just speak a little bit about that. How, how can it that part of it being um, very promising yet full of danger. Why, why would you write that? Personally, I've found that when you start to go through a journey of realizing yourself, you find things about yourself that you don't like. For example, uh, just my personality is I, I'm calm, but I get angry. I get angry and then anger then becomes, you know, something that I can use against or I could, you know, like just freak out over nothing. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you. But I think that's part of the dangerous piece to it in that you start to find out all these things. Personally, also through therapy, I've found out that there are issues in my life that I should deal with. 
you know, I, I don't want to go back five years and deal with that. And I get that because you're like, ah, I'm done with that. I don't want to go back there. But it is in experiencing that journey of realizing, oh, this has actually shaped the way I think and the way I view God and the way I view others and the way I've now defined my spiritual journey. Then that's where I think, you know, someone like Dallas would write, it's dangerous, but it's promising because then the healing that happens when I, you know, for example, go back and deal with a childhood trauma, then I relate to my wife in a way that is awesome. I relate to my family in a way that is awesome. Back to what I said, then I become a person of agape, a person of love, a person of patience. Not all the time, but a person of peace, a person that can see the transformational work of God, a person who is transformed back into that garden. I was, you know, remember? It's a long time journey. Most of you are older than, not most of you, that I'm thinking through. <laughs> Some of you are older than me, so you would understand that, you know, life happens, and when life happens, you learn a lot. So I'm still in that journey, but, you know, that long time process of being transformed into the image that was there in the garden. Good. Yeah, I think there is a dan dan the dangerous part in it is, is that if you want to be the same, if you don't want to change, then don't step into this. But if you want change, if you're sitting here and you're going, I want something more of God, then if you step into it, I tell you, it will be dangerous because it's going to challenge you and it's going to bring up you. And we want to do you because that's what we're told. You do you. And Jesus says, no, you do me. <laughs> Um, I'm going to move on to, I've asked each of them to share a book. So if you could bring up Phil's book for me. Um, and uh, so, so the question is, is that, you know, where did this start for you, Phil? What were you reading? And so why don't you just share a little bit about this book? Um, the, the Gift of Being Yourself was a book that I ignored for years. Because, again, um, in my thinking of what it means to be a Christian, th there was nothing to be me. Like, my true nature wasn't invited in the sense that this is who I am, this is how I think. So when I started reading this book, I realized that in knowing myself, then I know God. Because then I can see how God is working in my life. And therefore, in knowing him more, then I can, I can continue to know myself. This is why this makes me a little bit angry. This is why this makes me a little bit anxious. It's because of XYZ. So my journey started there and um, it was scary, but it was good. And I'm, I'm not there yet, but yeah. Good. Yeah. So he said pick one. <laughs> it was hard to pick one. Um, so I landed on this one as I think this is a good starting point. Um, so it's called The Emotionally Healthy Disciple by Pete Scazzaro. And he has a few different books, but I think this one summarizes them all. Like, it's a good starting point with this one. And there's a line that he said that had really, like, sunk in. And he said, you can't grow in your spirituality if you don't grow in your emotional health. And how oftentimes a lot of us think that we're spiritually mature. We talk about drinking of the milk um, as a baby. And, and we think, oh, yeah, no, I've been a Christian for so long, but... Really, like, how is my emotional health? How is my roots that are connected, the, the hereditary habits that I've continued on? And he just breaks that down so well. Um, and even that, he has a whole chapter on the being before you do. Uh, what does that look like to be with Christ before you do? And that comes into that, 
those, the greatest commandment, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's the being, and then love others, that's the doing, and often we elevate the doing before that being, and so, yeah, that's, it, I picked one. <laughs> and the book I picked is uh, Mark Comer's, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I know some of you have read that, and uh, I would say that if you are wanting just to dive into this and uh, at a level in which I can, I can grasp hold of what's being said, this book right here is an easy, easy start. It's probably the easiest start. The other two books are going to be a bit more challenging, um, but this is an, an, an easy start. And so, um, so I'll put our, our three books up there again, and um, we're going to bring these books in for anybody who wants to, uh, to purchase them and, and, and get them, um, because I really believe, I believe as, as a church, this is, going this way is going to be difficult, but it's going to be very good um, for us. And we can, we can move into that at different levels um, where we are in that journey. So thank you both very much. Um, and I, if, if you want to talk more to them, I would encourage you to do so. Um, ask questions, um, not just me, but uh, for Phil and Alicia. Um, that would be great. Super. Thank you. I am... I'm going to take three more minutes of your time, and then, um, and then we're going to uh, come to an end. Um, because I want, to, I want to wrap things up. Um, is my slide still up there? Okay. If you can bring up uh, Jesus Gives an Invitation. Oh, okay. Super. Thank you. Um, Jesus Gives an Invitation. In, in Matthew 4.19, Jesus says to his disciples, and I believe it's for us today, Come follow me. It's an invitation to a journey. And, and it wasn't like, you will follow me. Jesus never said that. He didn't look at somebody and say, you will follow me. He simply said, come, follow me. He gave an invitation to a journey. And as we look at those different people, they were at different levels in that. I mean, some were, were you know, they were tax collectors or they were fishermen or they were zealots, they were at different places, and, and there were a multitude of disciples that followed Jesus, but there was an invitation, an invitation to a journey, to journey with him. And Jesus also said in Matthew seven fourteen that 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 it's not going to be easy, that following him is a narrow way. And it's full of trouble, and it's not easy. Following him is not easy. Diving into this and saying, I'm ready for more. I want more. I'm not satisfied where I am. I have a life that I've always desired to live with Jesus, and I want more of it will not be easy. But it will be rewarding. Truly rewarding. So, um, this is what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in two areas. One is... What do we do? How do we practice this? I want to encourage you to look at practicing this. Um, let me just... This week, to find space for some silence. We are extremely busy. We fill our time ex with... We fill it. Whenever there is no time or we're, we're sitting, you go to the doctor's or you go to an appointment, what do you do? If you have a phone, this is what you do. 
more than likely you will pull it out and you will look at it. You Google how many times the average person actually swipes their phone. If you don't have a smartphone, then you're one of the few. You're probably better off than I am. But I want to encourage us to have some time of silence. What does it look like? Take five or ten minutes. Some of you gung-ho people say, oh, I can do 30 minutes. And I would say, don't. Take five or ten minutes. Find a quiet place. Sit quietly. Sit there, and the agenda is nothing more than just being in the presence of God. Just being there before him quietly. You may consider something of who he is, his love, his forgiveness, his patience. You may focus on a verse you've memorized. You may thank him. But the goal is not doing, it's being. I would encourage you to sit there and just simply sit there with your hands open. This is a sign of saying to God, I am open to whatever you want to do in my life. I am not in control. God is. This is where we begin as we just sit before him. And I want to encourage you to do that. This isn't Eastern mysticism. Jesus went away and he was quiet before God. We're told to be with him. And just see what he says. What he wants to say. What he wants to do. And then I want to encourage you to talk about that in community. We'll talk about community, but I want to encourage you to talk about it in community. Talk about it in your house church. If you're not in a house church, you must have other fellow believers that you commune with, you talk with. Talk about your time of silence this week with God. Did he say anything? Did you, did you feel a, a sense of peace in that presence of his, of not doing, of just being, and talk about it and engage in it because community is where it is so important. Circles are more important than rows but good circles make fantastic rows. So find a community and talk about what it may look like to live in transformation.